Welcome to the What If Podcast with your hosts, Spencer Worth Davis and Ryan Copperood. What if it really went down in the DMs? That's what we're talking about today on the What If Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, this, this might be kind of a weird episode. I slept for 10 hours last night. That Oh, man. Yeah, I went to bed at 8 p.m. You are locked and loaded mm-hmm. today, aren't you? Feeling feeling real good. What prompted you to go to bed at 8 p.m.? Uh, sleeping like five hours the rest of the week. Mm. Yeah. Like total or at night? No, like per night. Okay. Because yeah. five hours that whole week. <laughs> are you, I, I like, are went, you dead, bro? I, <laughs> I went to my room. I was like, I'm going to read a book. It was like 8 o'clock. And then I was asleep by 8.03. And then I woke up because my alarm went off at 6 a.m. It yeah, was 10 yeah. hours later. I've started so. doing this thing when I really want to pass out where I'll put like a podcast on. And I'll be like, oh, I'll put my sleep timer on. I'll listen to like 30 minutes or so. And then I'll probably be ready to go to sleep. And I wake up the next day. I'm like, I literally remember zero minutes. No recollection yeah. of like even hitting play was, on that podcast. I was yeah. unconscious before yeah. that stopped. Don't sleep through our podcast, though, because it's cool. Or like, Or like if you do, just come back. True. Join True. join back in on on the road to the DMs today, <laughs> uh, which is which is I guess going to be our way of talking about. Well, how do you want? How do you want to say it? Uh, we got a couple of topics we're going to get to, but like uh, basically spying and espionage and uh, spy versus spy in the uh, in the twenty first century in the age of the interwebs. Exactly. Exactly. In- internet puzzles and that and that maybe some some spy recruitment. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, but I think I want to start by taking it way back. Way back? Well, to uh, World War II or maybe Cold War era. That's pre-internet. Espionage, exactly. Pre-internet espionage. Okay. Exactly. They didn't have DMs. No. Well, they sort of did. They, just called, it, they just called them something different. Uh, was it Was it like your uh, mail? <laughs> <laughs> No, it was actually Morse code. Uh, it was actually your shortwave radio. Oh, right, that's real. Right, right. So I think I want to start by talking about number stations. Okay, we were talked about this before. We talked about it briefly. I have a very okay. limited understanding. Cool. So the the short version is uh, that number stations were uh, broadcast on shortwave radio, and they were usually an automated voice reading a set of numbers uh typically it's just the like the concept just there is creepy right robot voices reading numbers into radio stations is just weird and i want to come back to the robot part in a second but it was an automated robotic sounding voice reading a set of numbers uh usually in english german russian or czech do we know where or originating from where? No. Or multiple places originating from well, where? Well, and that's that's one of the the benefits in this case of shortwave radio is that it's you can't necessarily locate geographically where it's coming from. But like I couldn't pick up here on a shortwave something coming from like around the world, could you I? You could, yeah. Oh. Um, if, if broadcasted strongly enough from a strong enough transmitter, shortwave radio signals can actually make it all the way around the globe. Damn! <laughs> See, so I, I, I'm such a dumbass. I'm like, oh, when I drive like 45 minutes outside of Minneapolis, I can't get NPR anymore. Right, yeah, and FM is is different than shortwave. So one of the reasons that shortwave radios can broadcast over such a long distance is that the frequency that they're broadcasting on reflects off of the ionosphere, part of the atmosphere, 
which can cause them. So you basically you can reflect it and bounce it further than an FM or other t- radio signals could, which also makes it really hard to detect where it's originally coming from because, because it's, it's reflecting. reflected several times. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's like the Tor network, which we will actually also talk about later. Yes. But it kind of is like that, right? Like because it is reflected from destination to destination, you don't know where the original It's almost impossible to track but... down the the origin of it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um so they were these automated voices, usually reading numbers, sometimes words, uh broadcast in English, German, Russian, and Czech. They were sometimes identif- or uh, accompanied by music or other like identifiers at the beginning of the transmission. Mm. Um, they've been used for sure since the Cold War, but maybe as early as World War II. Okay. Which probably also has something to do with the languages that it's being broadcast in. Sure. Um, so 40s through the 80s for sure. Yeah. Uh, th- there are a lot of people who have researched this, especially since... A lot of them have been uh, recorded and put on the internet. People have started digging deeper into it. Are we going to do that? What's that? Are we going to hear some of that? Uh, yeah. In, in, in a, I will definitely play some in a second. Oh, yeah. People have been able to track them for sure back to like 1980. Okay. But people are pretty sure that they were going on during World War II as well. There just aren't necessarily recordings of those. Yeah, I would imagine we have, we just had generally less prevalent recording devices at that time well and it would have been much harder to know you would have had to just stumble across one of the frequencies that they were they were broadcasting on and then record it and then you wouldn't have been able to share it with anybody it would have been recorded to a tape somewhere right so if those recordings happened they weren't preserved and they're not accessible now and right you know 50 whatever 60 some years later somebody in france is going through their grandpa's old school like a track collection and they're like grandma what the fuck is this weird shit well it would have been i mean it would have been way before it would have had to be like a real to real tape recorder oh right yeah that would have we're talking we're talking way pre 1940s yeah right 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 so this is what some of them sound like they get pretty creepy so uh I should have taken. I should have taken a picture of my face as soon as it started. <laughs> Pretty creepy may have been an understatement in in some cases. This one sounds to be in German. Uh huh. So she's just reading a sequence of numbers in German. It almost sounds like it's not robotic as much as it is like someone read the numbers one through ten in a like row. It's, it's sampled, and then they sampled the yeah. whatever. I don't understand. Well, I mean, that, that that's the was, way but. that we do text to speech now. Like Siri is an actual person who read <laughs> every single sound and word and phrase Syllable and that they ever would have needed for for Siri to say yeah and it plays back those recordings it's not it's not synthesizing that voice that's sure. an actual recording sure so some of them sound like that uh there's a huge <laughs> range because i mean you think about these are these are coming from a bunch of different countries over a period of these are still being broadcast now some of them are so a period of and the, we should go find one uh, oh, we might get there okay so uh so from a bunch of different countries over a period of like at least 40 years, but probably more like 60 some years. 
So there's a Woof. huge range in how they sound. Um, some of them start with music at the beginning. Uh-huh. Come on down to Jimmy's Chocolate Factory. So we this, specialize in the finest of chocolate bars. This song is actually kind of interesting. Uh, it's it's a, a folk song called The Lincolnshire Poacher, and I'll come back to that later. But this specific tune is is meaningful. It sounds like ice cream truck music. Right. This is, this is going up and down South Minneapolis all through July and August. So the, the music was usually used as an identifier to mean like, okay, there's a transmission coming. So they'd play music for like 20 or 30 seconds, and then they would get into the actual transmission. Three, nine, seven, one, five. So this is now Three, probably a UK nine, one. Seven, one, five. So that whole transmission is almost five minutes long. I'm not going to play the whole thing. Uh, one more just to, to show you kind of the range of of all of these. I'm so thoroughly weirded out right now. This one's going to get weirder. Okay, tight. Uh-huh. <laughs> this one's pretty gnarly. Like, what the hell was that? That was a. It sounds like it's being played off of a tape that just slowed down. Or it's one of those um, metal bars, the the like the metal sheets that they wave and shit. And uh, they like, there's sound. It sounds like there's some definite tape speed stuff going on. So this happens for a while before it gets to. Uh, some actual like voice, like that's for sure a tape stopping. That sound right there. The German ones are extra scary. We gotta take it. I'm just sitting here wide fucking eyed, man. Ryan is just making direct eye contact with me looking freaked the fuck out. I've just got eyes open all the way up. Okay. Like, what the fuck am I hearing right so now? So that's what they sound like. The I, And I imagine probably every variation yeah, and actually, imaginable I, in between, right? There's uh, On archive.org, there's this, uh, somebody put together a recording of, or recordings of a hundred and... 150 different number stations. Great job, internet. Yeah, the, it's called the Conet uh, Project. I think that's how you say it. C-O-N-E-T Project. Conet. Conet, yeah. Cool. Comet with an N. Comet um, with an N. On archive.org, and these are all available as MP3s to either stream or download. Uh, but yeah, 150 different number stations recorded from, I think going back to the 80s up through like the ones that are still being broadcast now. And this is like just what we have documentable evidence of, right? I mean, like conceptually there's, I mean, right. They're, what, they're, thousands, hundreds of thousands of these transmissions that have occurred? Well, we don't, and, obviously and we don't most know. Of, but, most of these stations broadcast 24 hours a day. With this same weird shit? Not always with a transmission. But they're like on air. Mm-hmm. 
So for a lot of them, like if you turn to the frequent tune to the frequency right now, you would hear something. And there's actually a list of uh, all the known number stations. If you want to tune into them, uh, visit spynumbers.org. No, cool. sorry, spynumbers.com. Oh, they got the dot com. They nice got the job. dot com. And they have a, a list of everything uh, that's known to be a number station. And they, they, I think, have... I'm about to pause the podcast and just like, go right now. <laughs> I think they have the, the option of live streaming some of them over the internet, too. There, there are a few people that have set up uh, shortwave radios connected to a live stream. So they're, they're they tuned to whatever frequency right and then just live streaming it to the internet. I just love... There's a, there's a level of advocacy of human beings where they're like, no, no, this is important enough to me. They're yeah. not benefiting from it tangibly in any real the, the, way. The shortwave radio scene is a weird one. But anyway, so that's what they sound like. They were uh, most likely, or they are most likely, used in order to communicate with spies who are behind enemy lines. Now, quickly, do we like? Do we know that because some of them have been decoded? Do we know that because, like, what? Like, I guess. So I don't know. People are weird. Maybe people are just playing weird shit or being mm-hmm. being fucking weirdos. <laughs> None of them have ever been decoded, and I'm going to get to that in a second, because they're technically impossible to decode. Because there's, cause there's no, like... Uh, give me, like, 30 seconds, I'll get to that. All right. Um, a couple people more recently, though, like, there, there were two people who were arrested in Cuba on espionage, espionage charges who had a shortwave radio on them and a... Uh, a book for decoding the messages. And that was the first time that it was confirmed that like, at least some people are communicating with their, some governments are communicating with spies in this way. Oh, but the, this isn't like a book you can buy on Amazon. This is like a, okay. So transition to how have we never decoded? How has no one ever decoded these? Yeah. They're likely using what is called a one-time pad. Basically, if you and I had, you and I would have a copy of the same book. Okay. And they would be the only two copies of that book. Okay. And the book is just sheets after sheet upon sheet upon sheet of random numbers. Mm-hmm. So most of the numbers stations broadcast sets of four or five numbers that are totally random. Yep. So you and I would both have a copy of the same book that just has hundreds of pages of random numbers. And each set of four numbers corresponds to a word or sometimes a phrase. Got it. But the only way to decode them is to have a copy of this book. Got it. There are only two copies of this book. Each page is totally different, and each page is only used once. So it's a book, but each page is sealed together. So to, to get from page one to two, you have to rip off page one. Mm. So I can't see page two until I've ripped off page one. So I'm going to use... We're both going to use page one to decode the first transmission. Right. You're going to rip it off. You're going to burn it. You're going to destroy it somehow. Sure. And now the next transmission uses a totally different cipher. Got it. So there's no pattern to be found because with each transmission, there's a completely different cipher to decode. Well, and each individual one is also totally random. Each individual, wait, each individual what? Each individual page. Oh, right. Is completely random. Right. And there's so many options because if you think of a four-digit number, 
you know, that e- just each four digit number is thousands of, of possibilities. Right. And then when you, when you think it's not just decoding to a letter or a word, but sometimes one four digit number can be an entire phrase. Mm. So commonly used phrases like meet me at, meet me at might be just four, four numbers. And then you have one entire 500 number section that's cities. Right. So even if they're intercepted, <laughs> this is crazy because they, they're going to be intercepted because anyone can tune to that frequency. But they know that and it's entirely safe because you don't know right. where it's coming from and anyone can listen to it. You don't know who, where it's coming from. You don't know who's tuning into it. And only two people are speaking the language. Right. And only for that one transmission. It's going to, even if you figured out one of them, by the time you listen to the next one, it would be meaningless. That makes sense. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Okay, I'm just, <laughs> I'm and, just over here quietly <laughs> tripping out. So a, a one-time pad ha- is actually is literally the world's only unbreakable cipher. You must. Someone has to be making these. The the books. Yeah. The the governments do. But I mean, like, couldn't couldn't I? I mean, I bet I as a printer could go. We make two. We make two books that are random. We sell them in pairs. Oh, I see. You know what I mean? So, like, some who's actually printing them? But it would be meaningless to the printer because the what correlates to what is agreed upon between the two people, right? So, as a printer, you're just printing sheets of random numbers. That doesn't mean anything to you. It doesn't mean anything until those two people assign values to them, right? And it's so specific to those two people that even if you intercepted one of the books, it wouldn't mean anything, right? Because you don't know how the other person is interpreting it. Right. And and I guess if you really want to inception it and be like super whatever, you could have it where you I mean you could do layers of it, right? You like you could have a number that corresponds with a phrase, and the phrase is actually a code word for, you know, like like even if I'm saying right. but, even, but you don't have to because no one can break the original code. Right. There's, sure. There's no reason to there's no to need to down. encode it further because yeah. No one has ever broken a one-time pad. It's as far as anyone knows, it's impossible to do it. I mean, it makes sense. There's no, there's no context debate. I mean, for all I've ever heard about deciphering numerical code of any kind or or any code of any kind, you look for repetitions and you look for you know you pair things with language and it doesn't sound like that's even remotely a possibility. Right. Number so, stations, bro. So that's, that's why number stations still are being broadcast is because even with the internet, you can track down where something is coming from. You can find an IP address. You can find a location. There's yep. some trace of it. Even if you have something, if you access something once on your computer, that information can be retrieved. Right. You have a piece of paper. You burn it. You eat it. Even if you get captured, you right. whatever, you tear it up. Right. It's gone forever. Right. You can flush it down the toilet and it's right. already basically shredded. Right. So, and with shortwave radio broadcasting these, you can access it from anywhere. A spy can walk into a, a radio shack and buy a shortwave radio and instantly be getting transmissions. No, they can't. Rest in peace, radio shack. Okay, but... No, I feel you. You can walk into, you know, especially back in the 80s, you yeah. could walk into anywhere and buy a shortwave radio. There are millions of them in the world. Right. And suddenly be getting information that only you can understand from the other side of the globe. I mean, it seems outrageously effective for accomplishing this exact purpose, especially right. in a universe now where, like you said, progressively everything is more and more and more and more and more trackable. 
And this whole operation costs basically nothing. Okay, here's an interesting question. Mm-hmm. Well, you can decide if it's interesting. <laughs> okay. Here's a question. Uh, like, you got to be able to figure out, there are, pla- there are a certain number of places that can put out a strong enough radio signal that it could bounce around the world, right? I mean, that seems like relatively that finite. No? no. Like, we could do it from here if we wanted to. For you know, less less money than it costs to put together our studio. Introducing the What It podcast on well, your on your CB radio or shortwave, or is that the same thing? No, it's different. No. But and, and all of it's illegal anyway, so you don't have to worry about getting a you know a license to broadcast. What do you mean it's illegal? Well, they're broadcasting without a license. Oh, so the right. FCC <laughs> could come shut your ass down, but <laughs> you know the government doesn't care. The government is the FCC, whatever. Right. All right, we're gonna we're gonna experiment with that. But yeah, but I episode. mean, for less money than like. You know, these mics and the computer and the preamp and shit, we could be broadcasting pretty strong shortwave signals. I'm into it. Yeah. Let's just abandon this entire podcast thing <laughs> and start putting creepy fucking weird shit out into the shortwave universe. So I want to get into one specific short or probably number station shortwave transmission. Yeah, you do. That's known as UVB seventy six. Sounds like a sounds like a weird disease. <laughs> <laughs> He's uh, been infected with UVB seventy six. If you have a shortwave radio and want to check out UVB seventy six, yeah, tune your radio to forty six twenty five kilohertz, and you can hear UVB seventy six. Wait, can we do that? No, we don't have a radio, do we? Well, there are also a couple places that have. This is one of the ones that people have picked up and and live streamed. Oh, so if you just do a a, a Google search for UVB seventy six, you can find some streams of it. Googling. Anyway, it's a a Russian radio station that for years broadcast a buzzing sound, just a buzzing sound. It sounds irritating as piss. Every second or two, it broadcasted a buzz. It was occasionally interrupted by a live person, so not an automated voice, oh. reading stuff in Russian. This one is, to me, more interesting than some of the other uh, number stations because it's, A, a live person reading them. So someone was physically in a location broadcasting this. Not a robot, not a repeated number of a recording. Like yeah, not... A- a guy doing something similar to what we're doing right now. There was an open microphone in a room somewhere, and someone was speaking into it. Okay. And because the location of this broadcast was identified in 2010. Oh, how? So it was it was broadcasting from, um, I don't know how to speak Russian, Povarovo, uh, just outside of Moscow in Russia. Spencer, I think you did great. Thank you. I tried. I would have no way to tell you you did wrong, so I'm going to say you did great. I hooked on phonics to that shit. (laughs) Uh, Siri, help. Near Moscow. We'll go with that. Works for me as well. Six miles outside of Moscow. Okay. Some people tracked down that that's where it was coming from in about 2010. For one day, 46, 25 kilohertz went silent, and then the next day picked back up with the exact same transmissions but it had apparently moved to a new location near St. St. Petersburg. Okay. Some people in 2011, some Russian urban explorers, uh, found the actual location where they had been broadcasting from uh, in Moscow, and it was an abandoned Russian military base. In the base, they found a radio log confirming that they were broadcasting at that frequency. Whoa. So the Russian military was broadcasting at this frequency for, I think it was 
since the 80s up until 2010, they regrew they realigned their military, yeah. moved some people around, left this base, closed down for one day, and then started retransmitting at the same frequency with the same messages. So from 1980 until now, like you can still go listen to it. They've been broadcasting random shit in Russian. And the microphone appears to be open, like on, 24 hours a day. Because sometimes you can hear other shit going on in the background. Whoa. So it's not a recording being broadcast. And it's not even like someone is walking up to a mic and turning it on once in a while. There's a room somewhere in Russia with an open mic 24 hours a day. And sometimes somebody goes in there and reads shit. But people have recorded other times where you can hear, like, there's a woman screaming in the background. What? No way. Yes. Nuh-uh. Uh, if you want to hold for one moment, I can probably find that recording. Uh, we kind of don't have a choice at this point. <laughs> uh, we, don't, we don't have a choice there are to other not times, play that. There are other times where you can hear, uh, like, it sounds like somebody's watching TV in the background. And there are other sounds, you can hear, like, stuff just being shuffled around. Uh, okay, let me while you're yeah, searching no, for ahead. that, let me let me play devil's advocate or ask some questions or both just yep. for the sake of it. Doesn't it sound okay? So, if your whole thing is we're trying to secretively pass information around the globe with this radio station, mm-hmm. doesn't it kind of sound wild sloppy to like both leave your radio log? in an abandoned military base and also have the possibility that like, because it's open 24 seven, that, uh, a conversation could get picked up, uh, a piece of identifying information, but a isn't, TV station. Isn't that also the genius of it though? Because what's being broadcast is totally meaningless except to one person. We can find all of that information. People have put all of this shit on the internet. You can find recordings of, Thousands of these stations on the internet. And no one cares. And no one can break any of it. Yeah, I guess. I guess So you don't have to be you don't have to be careful with any of it. It's being broadcast around the world all day long. And you don't have to pretend you're not doing it. Because right. you're like, yeah, so so what? We broadcast we test radio wave shit. Well, and who's we? You can't identify where it's coming from or what it means. So who right. cares if if anyone picks it up? I guess I mean I I right. I, I feel the I feel the whole like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if people know. I guess I mean more like if you have a radio log in an abandoned military base, you are confirming that these are military transmissions that are being passed by radio. I mean, I guess. Okay. Yeah. So what? I guess. All you're confirming is that it's Russian military. You still have no idea what it means. Right, and and military transmissions via radio are happening both in secret and in in the open every fucking minute of every day. Yeah. Yeah, fucking fucking weird, man, <laughs> is what that is. Uh, that is weird as balls. This is what UVB76 sounds like most oh. of the time. Oh! Coming in hot. Oh, this so, is that delightful buzzing sound. This is the buzzing that happens 24 hours a day. It kind of sounds like a printer. There's also clearly an open mic. Like, that is a microphone pointed at something that's buzzing. Yeah, you can. There's almost like a rustle of some kind. And at the beginning of the recording there, you can hear voices in the background, yeah. too. 
right there. There's there's a voice of some kind. Right. There's someone in that room. For sure. Or a TV or something. There's a voice in there. So that's, that's coming out of Russia 24 hours a day with occasional, you know, someone actually gets on the mic and reads some, a random string of numbers in Russian. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> number Yuck. stations, man. I, I still, it, it's, it's such a good, pure mystery to me because there's really no way, even, even like people basically know what it is. Right. It's different governments communicating with spies. Right. Like there's, there's really no uncertainty about that. Sure. But at the same time, getting any more information out of it is basically impossible. Right. It's fully been reduced to its purest and most untrackable form. Yeah. And it's, it's almost just like, you know, every government knows they're doing it. It's a fuck you to other governments and the public. And like, yeah, we don't care. Right. Come, tune into them. You right. have, you have a $20 radio. Cool. Go nuts. Listen to our spy transmissions. Put them all on the internet. Couldn't care less. Yeah. Yeah, record them. Put them on the internet. Do whatever you want with them. If you're flying Lotus, sample them and put them in your beats. Did he? Yes. Of course he did. <laughs> of course he did, you weird bastard. That's Dude, awesome. There's some amazing sounds on there, and they're all public domain because no one knows who owns them. Yeah, And right. no one's ever going to claim them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, we're going to sue you for using our you should kill that diplomat message. Right, exactly. Exactly. Damn, son. Last thing, and then we should take a quick break. All right, tight. I was trying to to figure out when the first synthesized vo- synth- synthesized voice was made. Yeah, yeah. Because when I was like, these were happening in World War II. There's no way there was speech or text to speech in the 40s. No. So I, I went down a little robot speech. Hey, hole. Yeah. And I found this recording. From 1961 of the first computer-based speech synthesis. 61? 61. And computer-based speech synthesis. There were earlier versions in the 50s, actually. So it's totally believable that by Cold War, when these first recordings of number stations happened, that there was computerized text-to-speech. How? Well, all right. And before that, like you said, you could have had a one-time recording of like, I have I record myself saying numbers zero through nine, and then you know there there were tape based samplers basically right much earlier click click ten buttons and right or like the for anyone familiar with the Mellotron it was sort of like the first sampler where you pressed a key on a keyboard and it played a tape loop of a from of that a sound part of a tape loop yeah. right so but this is the first computer based speech synthesis from 1961 which I learned was also the inspiration for Hal on 2001, A Space Odyssey. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, 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 wait, wait. I've seen that movie. Tight. <laughs> Ryan saw a movie. What's up? Hello, ladies and gentlemen. He saw the cat. He saw the cat. He did. He saw the cat. Did you see the cat? He did. Okay. This is 1961. Mr. Watson, come here. I want you. You want me? He sure does. To be oh. or not to be, that is the question. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of outrageous fortune, or to take arms against a sea of troubles, and by opposing end them to die, to, to die, to uh-huh. sleep. Uh, Singing in purely physical terms, 
Is this this was the actual inspiration for Hal in 2001, where Hal is dying and he's singing uh, Daisy. Daisy, Daisy, <laughs> give me your answer. Oh, my God. My chest is caving in. So that was that was made. That's a computer made by Bell Labs in 1961. And the reason the reason that ended up in 2001. So Arthur C. Clarke, who wrote 2001, yeah, yeah. happened to be touring the lab, Bell Labs, and heard that. And then eight years later, put it in. Well, he put it in the book that then eight years later got made into right. the movie by Stanley Kubrick. He just leaned over to whoever was giving him his tour, and he was like. Hey, uh, real quick, that's the creepiest fucking thing I've right? ever heard. Can I put that into something? It, that makes like, me feel like that thing's trying to kill me. Oh <laughs> I'm going to put it in a sci-fi movie. <laughs> okay. Or book. If you're going to make the first like computerized voice say something, don't make it say, I want you. Because like, <laughs> I, those, those are all quotes, weren't they? At the beginning? Uh, well, I recognized Hamlet. I, yeah. I guess I was maybe I just- I think he a, was just quoting literature. All right, well, still. And the pauses were awkward. Let's pick quotes that aren't like, I'm I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I'm, I'm technology and I'm going to kill you. Well, it worked for, for Arthur. Also, for what it's worth, I would watch an entire, an entire Hamlet version that is just only fucking robot voices. Played by 1960s Bell Labs computers. Oh, big time. Yeah. Do you remember, uh, do you remember Robot Wars on like, Comedy Central, where they made the little robots that would like fight in. Oh the, yeah, 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 yeah. That's, just that made a comeback in the last couple of years. I heard about that. Let's yeah. just put voice boxes on those things and make them do Hamlet against each other. That would be fantastic. The duels could then, be like yeah. blow torches and shit. Right, right. Hell yeah, yeah. So uh, when we come back, <laughs> uh, we're gonna put number stations aside, but we're gonna well, sort of. We're gonna we're just gonna move up, on move up them. a couple decades. We're gonna move up a couple decades, and we're gonna actually get into. Uh, the DMs and see what it's like when it goes down in them. We'll be right back with the one of podcast. We want to hear from you. Send us a message. Email hi, that's H-I, at whatifpodcast.com or leave us a voicemail at 612-246-4614. With the What It Podcast. Damn, this good shit! <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> oh, man. I fucking love number stations. That is good shit. And That's... I could have gone another hour and a half about them if, if you wanted. You know, it's great, man, because I feel like we... Well, people might not know, a, a quick look behind the curtain of the What It Podcast. We, we exchange, I would say, regular, if not more than regular... Emails, texts, tweets of like, yo, we got we got to get a drop for that for Check the show. Out this one. Oh yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> like, like this would be funny if we had a button we could push where we could say that. I spend most of my free time just like watching dumb videos, <laughs> trying to see if I can pull an audio pull clip. sound out of them. Yeah, and I think. I think the most recent addition was the rap board, and now uh, you have yeah. you have apparently added <laughs> Tourette's guy. <laughs> Tourette's guy from like two thousand and three internet meme fame. Well, and you, you know, I'm not saying it's not still good. 
whole program's <laughs> cocked, boys. It sure is. <laughs> Once you get Tourette's guy in there, it's really all downhill. Um, but I'm but I'm always thrilled to be. Surprised. It's mostly wrestling videos, and <laughs> it doesn't matter. Rap ad libs, but oh, we're just gonna get weirder and more far out every time we go. Heck. <laughs> yeah, and weird viral dog. I wish there was more dog source, man. I'm, dog I'm really, speech. I'm really kind of broken up about dog source dying. Can we start a shortwave radio station that just says "heck"? It's just heck, dogs having conversations. Heck, oh, heck! <laughs> yes, we start broadcasting to the all the, the dog spies. <laughs> it's like in the Dolphins episode where they learn how to man right. ships and take over the universe. Right? Drake should start his own shortwave dolphin number station. Whoa! Because he looks like a dolphin. <laughs> That's the joke there. That was the punchline. In case anybody was wondering how Drake and dolphins are related. They they are literally related. By not by, not as many years of evolution as you blood, might think. By blood, not by relation. Blood, by DNA. Yes. Um, so so number stations, I guess we're putting behind us, but not fully putting behind us because uh, as you said, we're gonna fast forward a few decades and we kinda have we so we have a new Maybe what do you mean? Maybe we still have number stations. Maybe on the we internet? still have number stations on the internet. There's or, some there's some weird shit out there that looks a lot like number stations. Or we have contemporary versions of potentially things that resemble yeah what a what a what a 21st century number station might. One look of like. the weirder examples of that is a a Twitter account that is called Sierra Golf Five, where it does. Go down in the DMs. In the DMs. Maybe. Sierra Golf or Golf? Golf. G-O-L-F. The sport. Yes. So Sierra, S-I-E-R-R-A, Golf, G-O-L-F, five, the numeral. Uh, Sierra Golf five has 318,000 tweets. That's um, a bunch. It's a whole big bunch. 62 followers. Not a bunch. And they're following zero people. (laughs) Okay. Every six minutes, it tweets a string of numbers and sometimes letters. Every six minutes. Mm -hmm. In sets of five. So every six minutes. uh, Oh, boy. (laughs) Sorry about that one. Every every six minutes. Oh, geez, Rick. (laughs) Oh, geez, Rick. Oh, geez, Rick. I don't know about this. (laughs) Every six minutes, it tweets a sequence of... 23 sets of five numbers and or letters. Alphanumeric, if you will. Yep. The only exception being that it sometimes tweets lines of English folk songs. Aw. Specifically... How folksy. Okay, so direct tie into the number stations, though, because it specifically tweets lines of a folk song called the Lincolnshire Poacher. 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 Which is an English folk song from the 1800s. That was the one that was playing on the song earlier, right? Yes. The ice cream truck theme song. Yeah, so that's the melody from the Lincolnshire Poacher. Poacher. This Twitter account, Sierra Golf 5, breaks up its strings of numbers and letters with occasional lines from that song. Hmm. Every six minutes... 24 hours a day for years, I think. However long it would take to get to 318,000 tweets. Whoever wants to do that math. 
Well, six minutes oh, would be 10 an hour. Or so. I could just, you know, read Twitter when it says they joined September of 2013. So for the last four years, it's been tweeting every six minutes. Woof. And there are a few other ones like this. That's that's probably the weirdest and most consistent one. But uh, there's also one called uh, Zulu Tango 4, which does sort of a similar thing. It tweets every five minutes, and it's just strings of numbers. Why does okay? So why does part of me? I'm just thinking out loud right now. But like, why does part of me have more skepticism over the validity and the reality of the Twitter version of this? I do too. But why is that though? Because well, I, I can't pin it down right now. For one, I'm just immediately like that sounds like. For one, it would be easier to do. You don't have to have the recordings. You don't have to broadcast it. You don't have to maintain equipment. Yeah. You could write a script, I'm sure, that would tweet sequences of random numbers every five minutes. Easily. So there doesn't have to be a person physically doing any of the work. Right. And from a an espionage standpoint, it's way less secure because it, those tweets are physically coming from somewhere. Yeah, but couldn't you, I mean, for all intents and purposes, you could just with a Tor browser create an account with a fake email, access it from that same computer. Sure, but there would still be a record on someone's computer or phone somewhere of, you know, logging into Twitter and tweeting these things, wouldn't there be? Um not if you not if you really set your Tor browser up correctly. You can well, like someone had to make that account, right? Right, but you could do it all through Tor. I, maybe I don't really understand what Tor is. That might be part of the problem. Here. I mean, basically, as far as I understand it, and I'm sure there's going to be people who are listening to this who are like, you fucking idiots. But as far as I yeah, understand wouldn't Tor... Wouldn't be the first time. No, it's true. Um, as far as I understand Tor browser and the way that it can be used is essentially it fully anonymizes your IP information when you're doing stuff and fully every time you close a session and reopen a session, there is no trace of your internet session on the computer at all whatsoever. Hmm. Because okay. of, because of the way that your traffic is anonymized while it's happening, there is no endpoint, There's no destination or start to what's happening. It just is like in the ether basically. But then on the other end, someone would have to be accessing this too. Well, but Twitter is easy to, you, there's no record of me visiting anyone's Twitter feed. Right. right. I'm I just mean, thinking out, I yeah, I guess it's no different than have, having to have a radio. It's probably easier in a lot of ways. You have a, you, you pick up a burner phone and you go to Twitter. Or you log into a public library computer right. Right. or you jack a stranger's phone. And so maybe it's not, I mean, I don't know. It, I, I'm with you that I, on the surface level, it does feel, hey, Zulu Tango just tweeted. Two zero five four three zero eight seven four seven seven eight four four three. Tell us what it means. <laughs> and it then, be, wouldn't it be wild if, like, as soon as we saw that tweet, just like a notif- like a breaking notification came up that like some some major town got like fucking destroyed or but something? It's, it's, it's exactly every five minutes. I'm gonna tweet at him and see what's up. Hey, Zulu Tango. Four, are you... Wait, hit him from the What If Podcast Twitter account and be like, which if you want to follow, at What If Pod. Yep. What am I saying to him? Be like... Ask, should I ask him to be on the show? Do you have an email address we could con- <laughs> com- contact you at 
we are doing a podcast episode about you right now. Done. Well, not done, but I mean, you know, I'm doing it. So there, anyway, there are a few of these uh, Twitter accounts that seem to be mimicking or and or carrying out the same purpose concept of, uh, of number stations, just blasting in, information out there in a 21st century kind of way. You know, one of the reasons that that makes less sense to me too, though, is like you. There's a lot of countries that block Twitter, or right. Twitter could go down at any moment. Like, where was it in Egypt well, during the Arab Spring? So could a radio transmission, though. I mean, more. I mean, more as in it could be taken down. Like, you can't access Twitter in China, right? Or. I mean, during the Arab Spring in Egypt, they people were using Twitter to communicate like rebellion and protest shit, and mm-hmm. so Egypt was like, "Oops, you none of you can go to Twitter now," which right. seems to me like if you were a spy, you're relying a national on a, spy, <laughs> you're relying on a, a third party that you don't have control over, right? Yeah. And and especially if we're talking about a world of international spies who could be traveling point. and doing stuff like that, you, you would probably not be psyched if your orders were. You know, coming through an avenue like that. But also, too, I mean, that doesn't invalidate the fact that, you know, you could you could be saying more benign things or more sort of, I don't know. For whatever reason, it it does read more like some kid who thought it'd be cool to write a, a script. And get a bunch of people to wonder and get two guys who have a paranormal, weird... Right comedy podcast to be or like get a few minutes of reddit fame or you know what does zt4 mean right. right um one other one that was actually solved more more or less was <laughs> you didn't sound very confident when well, you said the word solved there's solved. an explanation for it it's just you know the conspiracy guy in me yeah never really accepts any of it as being totally true it's all lies uh was all web driver it. torso on on YouTube, you familiar with this one? No, but I think the torso torso is a funny word. It is a funny word. I'm envisioning a, a floating internet guy. <laughs> it's just no legs. It was this YouTube account that uh, put up videos that were basically just geometric shapes. It was a, it was a sequence of blue and red rectangles. Okay, and they posted thousands of these videos at regular intervals. See, well, keep and, going. And so people started to, someone stumbled across this account and posted it on, I think Reddit was the driving force behind this initially, but it it got a lot of traction across the internet. Reddit, you so crazy. We love you. (laughs) We love you. You so crazy. Uh, And people started flocking to this page trying to figure out like what the hell is going on? Why Mm -hmm. are they posting so often? It seemed like it had to be automated because they were posting more regularly than it was like every few seconds sometimes like more regularly than you could make and upload these videos right so there had to be like a huge either a huge stockpile of them that the uploads were being automated somehow or just like it didn't or you're like logging in from multiple devices yeah it, it didn't really make sense and long story short it came out that google was like oh yeah we were testing something about uploading videos and compression artifacts or something and we just figured no one would notice this account really they said that yeah and then they took it down or made it private or whatever so 
Google actually came out and like in the press made a statement that was like, yeah, that's us. We were just testing shit. It was public. We figured no one would notice and we didn't care if they did because we were just seeing how our new algorithms compressed these specific colors or these shapes or whatever. Mm. Right. So it's probably the right explanation. Is it? Come on, Google, Google. But why would it, why would it be public? That's what I'm saying. Any software company in the universe has sandbox environments and right. staging environments and test environments. Which, which is running. why I'm skeptical of that explanation. Yeah. You it don't seems just unnecessary. Go, oh, oops. We made a, we made a real fucking weird. Well, and anyone has the ability to make videos unlisted or private like why would why would they need to be public if, if you're testing things especially google when you own right but i'm saying YouTube. every every user has that ability much right. less the you know the company itself right i mean google let google.com the domain name slip and somebody <laughs> bought it some well, dude in fucking india bought it so oh. <laughs> yeah right <laughs> so like i guess it wouldn't be the first time a major corporation or dropped the that, ball. The same corporation. Or the same corporation yeah. dropped the ball pretty hard on something like that. Where like maybe it was a twenty-three-year-old UC Davis graduate developer who's like, This Oops. is how I'm gonna do this. And they were like, Dog, you can't upload fourteen hundred videos to a public fucking YouTube account. And then he was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> and then he didn't have a job anymore. So it that, does sound a little shicey to me though. There's that something one was weird there. Explained in quotes. Um you got, you got one more story for us before we wrap? Let's take one really quick break, and then we'll come back, and uh, I want to talk about the biggest scavenger hunt slash internet puzzle I've ever encountered. Uh, we're going to talk about Cicada 3301 when we come right back in a second here on the What If Podcast. He is going to friggin' goose it, boys. back it's the what if podcast we don't even care <laughs> but you do because you're still here and you are pondering uh the question what if it really went down in the dms which is really just our way of talking about like fucking weird covert potential intelligence agency internet and spy versus spy shit activity yeah Th- this could be a recurring one because we stumbled a bunch uh, on a bunch of shit during oh, yeah. this um, also, if you want to uh, DM us any dick pics, yeah, at, at what if pod on Twitter, yeah, and also um, just really quickly before we jump into this story, um, another thank you to everybody that's been talking about the podcast, tweeting yeah. about the podcast, retweeting our shit, sharing okay. our shit. Yes, <laughs> um, we don't do any like traditional podcast advertising, so everything that you do that is social media or. Just sharing it to a friend, emailing it to five buddies and being like, I'm having fun with this. Uh, we really fucking appreciate it. So please do yes, that sir. Uh, if you can and if you want to. And also, if you have an idea for an episode, hi at whatifpodcast.com. Send us an email. We've gotten a couple suggestions. We're adding them to the queue. Okay, real quick. Yes, sir. One of the suggestions we got, shout out to Tegan, was to do an episode about the Flat Earth. Shout and, out to Lupe Fiasco. And the, the Flat Earthers. <laughs> so and his squad. 
Uh, I think we should definitely do that episode. Yes, I agree. And I think we should go real big and try and get Kyrie Irving on it. No, he's not. Kyrie Irving is a no, flat earther, bro. he's not, Yes, he bro. is. So, uh, oh. Channing Fry has a podcast called Road Trippin', and Kyrie was talking about how, A, he doesn't think that we went to the moon, B, he thinks the earth is flat, and C, he doesn't think that other planets are real. He thinks the whole idea of the solar system and planets and stars is made up. Bro, I can't, I'll, <laughs> I'll never, I'll never watch Uncle Drew the same right? way ever again. So I think we need what to do that episode, you, and I think what? we need to start tweeting at Kyrie's PR people immediately and get this set up. If you want Kyrie Irving to be on the podcast, <laughs> please tweet, include at Ryan Coprood, at Big Cats Beats, at What If Pod, mm-hmm. and I, whatever Kyrie's Twitter handle is. I've I've also been aggressively tweeting at Shay Serrano to come on our podcast. Oh, so if we could get Shay and Kyrie to discuss their favorite uh, conspiracy theories, bro. Just saying. I would die and go to heaven if we could get Shay on here. If any of the like 20 people that follow us on Twitter want to help facilitate that. Well, just on the podcast, we've got like we got like 5,000 between the two of us in well, our right. actual personal accounts. Yeah, if any of the like 3,000 people that follow me on Twitter <laughs> want to help facilitate that, please go nuts. Yeah, uh, that would be amazing. All right. All right. Um, we'll rein it back in. Uh, but yeah, hi at whatapodcast.com. Leave us a voicemail, 612-246-4614. And um, hit us up with anything you want. Tell your friends to any, tell your friends. Any weird shit you want to talk to us about, do it. We're probably down. Yeah. We're always down. Speaking of weird shit, Spencer. What do you got? I got I got a weird interweb puzzle. Perfect. That could potentially have some intelligence agency, impl- as intelligence agency implications. Heck. Uh, uh, heck, <laughs> heck, my, heck my language, or my vocabulary at this point. Um. It's called Cicada three three zero one. Wow! Yeah, wow, indeed. Um, I know you know already. something about this, but a, a bit. I don't know how much you know about this. I, I, I know that it exists. Uh, I specifically wanted you to dive into it though, so I could not have to research it and just like find out cool shit live on the podcast. Yeah. Okay. Tight. So I think so I have some this, cool. This one's all you. I think I have some cool as shit. Um. So. Cicada three three zero one. We're gonna go. Uh, we're gonna go back to the year two thousand and twelve. Okay. And we're gonna go back to January of two thousand and twelve. And we're gonna go to a website called 4chan. Well, we're not because <laughs> yeah, don't do that. That's don't, a terrible idea. Yeah. <laughs> you, just things happen on 4chan that you probably don't want to be a part of. But uh, th- that's where this story begins. And essentially, uh. On 4chan, on the message boards of 4chan, this image starts popping up, right? And uh, what is the image? The image is just white text on a black background. So it's not like pasted in text. It's actually like an image file. Yeah. Um, But it's white text on a black image. And this is what it says. Hello. We are looking for highly intelligent individuals. To find them, we have devised a test. There is a message hidden in the image. Find it, and it will lead you on the road to finding us. We look forward to meeting the few who will make it all the way through. Good luck. And it was signed 3301. 
What in God's holy name are you blathering about? Right. <laughs> probably probably what most of 4chan thought. Yeah, that makes no sense. I mean, right? There's a message hidden in the image. Okay. Um, so, essentially, this kicks off Cicada 3301 as, uh, as a concept. Where did the Cicada come from? I forget this. The cicada wasn't was it was the image attached to it, or it was it was like a like a like an icon in it, right? Of a cicada. Yeah, like why why are they called cicada three three zero one? Three three zero one was the way they signed their original message. Right, but the the image included a a picture of a cicada. That's what it was. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So so this image starts showing up in four chan, right? And people wanted to know what in God's name they were blathering about. Yep. Except that on 4chan, you have a bunch of uh, hackers and just general sort of unique individuals with unique skill sets. You know what? He knows what he's doing. <laughs> Apparently they did. That's good poll. Great poll. Um, I love when I see, when I tell stories, I need you to man the audio board. I, I can't do it for myself. And when as you well. tell stories, ah. I need to man the audio board, man. We got to spin it around. You just got to get your own, man. That's real. It's, it's way more fun if you don't know what sounds are coming. That's true. People start investigating. And what they start finding out is that essentially in the source code of this image file, there's a clue. And the clue in this image file takes them to another clue and another clue. And another clue. And there are all these, um, like, I can't even, I can't even start on, on what they all are. There's a massive amount of these clues, especially because 2012 was the first one, but they did one in 12, 13, 14, skipped 15 and did one in January of 16. So there's been a new, did what? They basically created this scavenger hunt, started a, we've got a, there's a clue here, figure it out and, and. Good luck. So what what was the clue hidden in the original image? Um, the clue hidden in the original image, that's a really good question. I actually don't remember or know what it was. It was it was something about mm, or how did people like start on this scavenger hunter? What what led them to the next the next step in this sequence? The way that I understand it, I'm going to pull this from, I was reading a Fast Company article about this, and this is the way they break it down. Um, we're going to get to this in a second, but they, they did an interview with one of the only people that has come forth who actually completed the whole puzzle with Cicada 3301. Okay. Uh, this kid named, and he was a kid, he was like 16 when he did it. Um, his name is Joel Erickson. Cool. And um, so... Here, here's what they say, and I'm, I'm going to read directly from this because it's the easiest way to understand it. For what it's worth, a lot of these things are like hyper-technical, uh, cryptology, numerology. We'll, we'll get to some of like what you the clues contain. You got to know a lot about a lot of different types of things. Yeah, so this is what he did to like break the first image. Okay. From the first image that was posted, this is the quote. Yep. From the first image that was posted, Erickson used a stenography software to extract a message encoded with a shift cipher where each letter of the text actually corresponds to another letter. Mm-hmm. Once he decoded the cipher, it revealed a URL where another image of a duck was posted. Here, he used stenography tools to reveal a hidden book code of a list of two numbers separated by a colon. 
The book code led to a Reddit URL with Mayan numerals at the top of a page. Erickson then noticed that several posts by a user using a pseudonym seemed to consist of encoded text. This text was the, quote, book the book code could be used to decode. But to find the cipher, he needed to find a key first, which he then gleaned from translating the Mayan numerals on the page. So. Holy shit. It's like. Yeah, and that's why I had a like kind of a tough time originally answering like what led them to the next thing. Like these guys are fucking far out. Donnie, right? you're out of your element. <laughs> I am out of my element when it comes that's to. That's how I felt just listening to you read that article. Right. As, I mean, you said a 16 year old kid figured that out. Yeah. The uh, there, a handful of people have sort of, sort of solved uh, these things, and there's only been a couple that have like come forward, um, and. And yeah, so so basically what they do is they create a starting scavenger hunt with an image on 4chan every year. And I say they what? because the they is proverbial Un- and sort of point. unknown. Well, and, I'll, and I'll get to that in one second too. But here's over the course of, so like I said, 12, 13, 14, skipped 15 and did one in 16. And the four sort of, it sounds corny to call them scavenger hunts. They're more like angels and demons, Da Vinci Code-esque mm-hmm. It's, it's more in-depth than that, yeah. Yeah, to the point where they've also involved real-world situations where people had QR codes in different was, cities in I, the world. I was going to ask about that because it wasn't just online, it right? It was not just online, although there were much fewer things that happened in the real world, but there were monuments and— Weren't there some like collaborative aspects to it, too, where like w- one individual person couldn't necessarily, unless you were traveling a ton, figure out every aspect of it? Potentially, originally they actually got mad at people for collaborating, so they tried to make the original ones exclusively oh, okay. like an individual could okay. and should do them. Got it. Um, but yes, like there are like if you lived in Bolivia, you would have no way to know what the QR code in France was, so you did have to do some either traveling or some teamwork. Someone work would have to yeah to get it to get it figured out. Okay. Um, so just just to give you a, an image of the depth and the breadth. Um, I'm going to read another quote to you. Cool. The Cicada 3301 clues spanned many different communication media, including the internet, telephone, original music, bootable Linux CDs, digital images, physical paper signs, and and pages of unpublished cryptic books. In addition to using many varying techniques to encrypt, encode, or hide data, these clues have also referenced a wide variety of books, poetry, art, and music. And the way they break down the categories of what is actually included in the clues are, there's three main categories. Literary and artistic references is one. Two is philosophical references. And three is cryptographic, mathematical, and technological references. Gada, gada. Oh, welcome. <laughs> welcome, Rizzy. Our, our dolphin spirit animal, Welcome. <laughs> Um, so just a, that's a huge range of stuff. I'm going to read just randomly from the list. There's like hundreds of these, uh, number theory, prime numbers, onion router, which is to use Tor (laughs) to like get to fucking dark net shit. Thought it was how you organize your onions, but (laughs) do you do that? Yeah. You eat enough veggies in this house. Um, MC Escher, cuneiform, uh, ego death, collective intelligence, Zen Buddhism. There's like really high level and really specific level concepts that all exist so in this process that you have to have some knowledge of to be able to fight your way through all of these clues. And a 16-year-old kid put that all together on his own? Uh so he says, yeah, so the article I found is is an interview with this kid at the time 
uh, who cracked one of them basically got to the end. And on the end of it, they sent they, again, the proverbial they, sent him an email with a darknet tour URL to go to, mm-hmm. and his email included a username and password. And he logged into essentially a forum of some kind where a unknown group of people um, existed on the internet. Oh, Katie. <laughs> See, we, we can tell that you, that I'm telling the story and you're running the soundboards. Yeah, because you get fucking pill ad-libs. <laughs> <laughs> pill ad-libs during my stories. So, and and then what? We don't know? Well. This dude joined a cult? <laughs> it sounds a little culty, though, doesn't it? Yeah. The, and and I guess the interesting question, or I mean, obviously, there's a lot interesting to everything we've just said, but I think the really interesting question is, who the fuck is putting all this work into it, right? Because this this kid that they interview is one of the things that he says in in the interview process is he's like, there are dependents in this process, right? Like one clue depends on another clue. Oh, sure. And the other one depends on the other one. And these are all things that existed either in the physical world or again, like they're talking about, sometimes you had to use a telephone to go and like dial a number. And like, there are all kinds of things that chronologically had to- It's all in sequence though, right? Exactly. Like the sequentially, you would have to have set up these things to work in the way In a specific order, yeah. Right, in order to get through them. And so- appears to be a masterfully large effort to work people through this funnel if they can suss out all of the all of the details so the question is who it's a pretty big undertaking by whoever set it up right yeah so the question becomes then who or what entity or group of people has enough time and resources i mean money like to some extent if you're Printing out QR posters and hanging them on, yeah. you know, walls and like doing crazy well, shit and in all the over world. the world too. Right, right. It, it wasn't just in the U.S. No, not at all. Yeah. Like tons of different cities had had. Um, so either either you have connections around the globe or you're traveling to do these things. But right. Both of which impl- kind of imply some some money and some connections. And yeah, exactly. Um. So who's doing this? Who is who is finding it worth their time to do this thing? Are, are there some theories about that? Plenty, as we know, the internet, uh, <laughs> the internet um, has theories of plenty on. Yeah, no shortage of speculation on everything. Right. Um, there's a few main ones. Okay. One, it's an alternative reality game. So for what purpose to beat it in the same way that we kind of talked about how, you know, can you, can you do it? Are you capable of it? But who, what would be the motivation to organize that? Um, Like what we were just talking about, like it it would take a lot of effort and time and probably resources to set this up. What would be the, what would be the incentive for whoever's organizing it? It's a great question. And, and that is why people kind of bat that argument down is because, no company or specific person or group of people has publicly taken credit for it. So right, you, would you would think would probably be the end result of something like that. Right. 
If you yeah. wanted to monetize it or if you wanted to be known for it or you wanted I mean, to... It sort of rules out any commercial backing, application, right? Yeah. Right. I would agree with that. Like You'd have to, because it's been, you said since 2012? Yep. We're talking five years without anyone claiming credit for it? Yep. No one's marketing something for five years without cashing in on no, it. No, yeah. And and also, too, I feel like those things are pretty easy to sniff out once you get deep enough into them that this right. is like, this is some sham run by somebody. Right. Um, and, and also, too, and they're probably not smart enough to do. I was literally just going to say the depth and level of what was happening was like, doesn't there's some real intelligence behind it. Exactly. Yeah. So there are a couple other ones. Uh, one, Show me what you got. The other another one, another theory about Cicada 3301. Um, some people have posited that uh, there are many banks who are interested in the concept of cryptocurrency. Um, like Bitcoin, basically, um, the, the, the need to decode things quickly in order to gain more currency. Um, and it's what a recruitment tool or something, or, uh, this is the idea that, um, if, if it were a bank who Mm. wanted to get the best people at decoding codes of any kind or many kinds, this would be a pretty good way for them to find those people on the internet and without being like apply to work at this bank kind of thing. But then why the, why the philosophical and artistic and like there there are some elements of it that wouldn't seem to jive with a purely financial. Yeah. Like you said that they were creating original music for parts of it and stuff. Right. It seems to be somewhat like culture or, philosophy or arts driven on some level too which to me or, wouldn't really vibe with a bank right i would say yes and or that there the entity in question values those those elements of a person's ability to crack a code if you have a knowledge oh if you have a knowledge that is expansive enough that it could incorporate you know, not I just suppose. mathematical things, not just scientific things, you but we'll pick up on all sorts of cultural references, and cultural yeah. references, and things like that. That you might okay. want people that are have a little broader understanding. So that's another one. Um, all right. And the last, and the, the kind of the tie-in is that um, there's a lot of people that have posited that Cicada three three zero one is a recruitment tool for some either national or international intelligence agency looking for people who can new recruits basically new recruits people who are smart enough worldly enough um experienced enough to be able to crack very complex multi-layered baffling i mean to and not not only that but there's a ton of technological knowledge and skill that would oh have to God. go into it too. Mind, like mind-blowing levels of it. And I that mean, combination has got to be pretty rare of people that know philosophy and literature and art and music but also have the skill in a technological sense to be able to like do a lot of things like find codes in an image file and break ciphers and all that kind of shit. Absolutely. That seemed like a pretty or an extremely narrow group of people that would actually fit that. Which uh-huh. is why it's so fucking crazy that a 16-year-old is one of the people who allegedly did it. Yeah, and and the guy um the guy who wrote the article basically um he he basically was like 
when he first wrote about Cicada 3301, he would he got emailed. He said, I think the quote in the article on Fast Company is like, my inbox was never the same. And he got hit mm. up all the time with all these people who were like, you wrote the article about this. I know those people. I cracked it, whatever, whatever. And he said a lot of it was like weird and kind of crazy. Yeah. But every once in a while, one of them was like, oh, you seem like this could ring true. And he said he did a bunch of research, found out that this this cat was like a computer science major at like a really well-known school and like was able to basically go, yeah, I could see why you would have been a person. And he had some, apparently like some proof of the fact that he did it. Um, that's a, that's a sophomore in high school though. Right. He was like, the guy was saying that when he was interviewing the kid, he was 19 years old and he could hear him just like hacking at his keyboard while they were like chatting over Skype. That is wild. Yeah. So what, right? You said he was 19 when they did the interview? Correct. So did, did the kid end up like, I mean, he must at least know who's behind it, right? So- Does that kid work for the CIA or yeah, MI6 right? or something now? He was uh, he was in school um, at the time. So as far as we're aware, not working for a government agency. But essentially when he got to the top or in, I guess- mm-hmm. He said he was like low key disappointed that he was sort of a 16 year old. It was a forum. There was a lot of, uh, like, he called them assignments. There were like okay. things being sort of shared and things to do, codes to crack, like puzzles and stuff like that. The type of shit that like got people in there. Mm-hmm. But it was more like, he said it was more almost like uh, a place where people of this ilk to interact more than it was actually them doing things like they had done to get there. And, and he, he said, never he never met anyone face to face or anything? Nope. Never met physically. Weird. It was only like this Tor browser link that he got with his username and password to be able to interact in this forum. And there was like, you know, there was some um actually let me uh let me find this really quick. There's a there's a quote that he that he put uh out there that is kind of interesting. So this dude just bounced and went back to reading 4chan and he doing said his he homework? Was, he what? said he was a 16-year-old with, quote, a short attention span. Fuck. Um, so this is literally a quote from this dude. He says, quote, I just got bored. I had a job. I was working at a startup. And, of course, that requires focus. And the puzzle solving was over. I was, what, 16? Short attention span. It's just the puzzle solving is over. So I said, screw this. I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> Which is amazing because because it's Good like him, legitimately the most complex internet puzzle that anyone has been able to suss out. And he like He was just bored with it. Quote unquote won the game and was like, nah, fuck it. Not for yeah. me. I don't really care. Well, it's gotta be disappointing too to do all that work and establish yourself as maybe one of the most intelligent people in the world. Right. And you get nothing. Like you don't get a job offer, you don't get you don't even get a face-to-face meeting with anyone. You get a link to a like a chat room. You get this. You get so this dude says, um, this dude says, and I think I was referencing Joel Erickson earlier, which is actually from a separate article. This other dude is a kid who goes by technology. That's his hacker name. It's like T E K K N O L A G I. Joel Erickson is cute. an older dude who made a different who made a different pass through it. Technology is the sixteen-year-old kid, isn't it cute? Mm-hmm. Um, what you get is this message from Cicada, 
the organization. Whoever it might be, yeah. You have all wondered who we are. <laughs> <laughs> and so we shall now tell you we are an international group. We have no name. We have no symbol. We have no membership rosters. We do not have a public website. And we do not advertise ourselves. There's no punctuation in this, by the way. I'm inserting pauses. Is this all coming also in the voice of the uh, the Bell Labs computer? <laughs> yeah, right. Okay, yeah. we Okay, so we do not advertise ourselves. We are a group of individuals who have proven ourselves much like you have by completing this recruitment contest, and we are drawn together by common beliefs. A careful reading of the text used in the contest would have revealed some of these beliefs, that tyranny and oppression of any kind must end, that censorship is wrong, and that privacy is an inalienable, inalienable right. You are undoubtedly wondering what it is that we do. We are much like a think tank and that our primary focus is researching and developing techniques to aid the ideas we advocate. Liberty, privacy, security. You have undoubtedly heard of a few of our past projects, and if you choose to accept your membership, we are happy to have you on board to help with future projects. Not assignments, projects is what they call them. That party sounds like it sucks. <laughs> it does sound real boring, right? And I guess like you would have to think that a group who's smart enough to put this whole thing together might not be the most like social and able to market the project once you're in there. Well, you you didn't sell me on anything. Like I still don't know what you do or what you want me to do or what's in it for me or yeah, anything. Totally. You have projects that you're going to do and you get to be part of like a cool quote unquote cool sub counterculture dark net like puzzle puzzle playing group. Right. You guys put together 10,000 piece puzzles <laughs> on the internet. And I'm not saying it's not fucking impressive. I couldn't do it for a second, but I'm just saying that it does seem but, sort of anticlimactic, doesn't it? But if you have those skills, why would you why would you put them to use in that way? Where right? you're not being compensated, you're not you don't know what you're even working on. Like why wouldn't you either go work on something that you really believe in or get paid a shitload of money or both? So I've I had an interesting thought while I was reading these articles and researching this. Okay. What if this dude missed the point? Which like tech the technology. Like, what if he was like, I beat it, I won, I'm in. And what if, like, I was reading that 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 email, and like for a group of people who are extremely intelligent and have all of this numerology, crypto, everything knowledge, mm -hmm. there's no punctuation. It's grammatically kind of fucked up. Oh, uh, what if that that email was also a code? What if he what if he stopped looking too soon? Like how mm. do you know it's done? Didn't he also get you said he also got a link and some credentials though, right? The link and the credentials were to a forum and apparently that email was either part of that process of getting welcomed in. Oh. So it was like we hope you accept your membership and then he came in and that's when he found the forum where it was but like maybe people there was interacting. Another, maybe there was another step. Maybe there was another level to the to the inception where yeah. that he missed and he and he gave up. Because I just feel like they wouldn't send out an email that sloppy after you've done all of this wicked intelligent work so far. Like, no punctuation. It just reads kind of awkwardly. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. I I, yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it would be, but it does seem wicked anticlimactic to be like, we put all this effort forth. I would think someone that adept at thinking in that way and breaking ciphers and, and all that stuff would be would catch that though i mean but maybe that's the point is you weed out you weed out that final two percent till you get to that one percent but he would have already had to be 
doing all those things on all the previous steps. You know what I mean? Like, sure, he, he did similar but more complicated, more difficult things twenty times to get to that point. If there was really something there, wouldn't he have caught it? I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I feel like you could probably have said that about any step previous to some extent. Right. Like, you know, you made it to this step. Yeah, maybe that subtle variation was just enough to weed out right. one or two more people. Right. Maybe the maybe the weird Reddit thread was the was the was the key. That's the last step. Like you found this weird, interesting conversation on Reddit. Oh, just kidding. The mine ruins in the picture mixed with the usernames in this thread. Right. Actually take you another step further into the into the beast. Into the matrix. Right. To this day, no one knows what Cicada 3301 actually which is. Which is pretty tight. Which is pretty tight. I mean, like, the fact that, you know, he kind of threw some shade at him is what it is. But I think the fact that they keep doing it, I mean, again, this this article was from 2014. They've kept doing them. They're doing, they did one in 2016 that came out. Mm. I think it's fascinating. I think it's a fascinating use of the technology to to see what people are capable of. And the fact that anyone can or any group of people can totally conceal their identity while communicating and appealing to the few people on the planet who should be able to find out their identity if right. anyone can right? and remain anonymous for five years or whatever it's been. And slowly drag people down a rabbit hole of like crazy right. fucking clues all over the world. Right. That's pretty dope. I wanted to be intelligence agencies. That to me, because that to me is the coolest answer. It's kind of, I don't know. I think it's kind of the only answer, isn't it? It seems to me. Or some variation on that. Like who else would have the resources to do it? That but, or, uh, I don't know. That that email reads like some fucking neckbeard hacker bullshit. Maybe, but it also could read like it's trying to be a neckbeard hacker bullshit. Yeah. To potentially woo that crowd or to dissuade certain people from right from continuing right <laughs> you want to get all the 16 year olds out yeah who are like <laughs> fuck this i'm bored <laughs> hey bro let's play some halo because you can't send a 16 year old into russia to do anything <laughs> Kid would die in five minutes on the ground. Yeah, right. He he'd be like, That's "Hey, your- can I can I restart the mission?" No, bro, you're dead. <laughs> no, you're dead. All right, man. It went down in the DMs on Reddit and on Twitter. Send us your dick pics. Uh, well, I mean, send Ryan your dick pics. Please don't. <laughs> please don't. All right, bro. It's been real. Um, Barry. as always, uh, ask us questions. Hit us up. At what if pod 612-246-4614. Hi at whatifpodcast.com. And we'll be back next week with another question. Peace. Love you. Bye. Thanks for listening to the What If Podcast. Learn more at www.whatifpodcast.com. Podcast.com.